So, does anybody have any ghouls to gab? As a matter of fact, I've got two. One of them actually made me think of Noah at a point while I was watching it. Have any of you heard anything about oh, the movie Suitable Flesh? Wait, say that name again? Suitable Why does flesh, flesh make you think of me? Do you no, mean no, no, no. It's not, it's not the title of the movie or anything. No, suitable. As in, oh, like, this, suitable. Yeah, like the, you know, this is a, a suitable uh, f- f- flesh. Um, <laughs> so the yeah. whole way through the movie, it's uh, mostly Heather Graham for a lot of it. It's also got Barbara Crampton in it, though. The whole way through the movie, I keep thinking... This feels just like one of those old, like, uh, you know, 80s, like, Brian Usna um, uh, Lovecraft adaptations, right? It's like Reanimator or The Beyond or something like that. Um, Right down to having Barbara Crampton in it, being set at Miskatonic University for no goddamn reason. Like, the whole way through it, I'm just like, man, this is very, very Brian Usna. Guess what? Turns out he was an executive producer on it, so uh, not surprising at all. It's a fun enough movie, though. The, The thing in it that made me think of you, Noah, is that there's a scene where a detective is interviewing someone... And there's a particular question that he's just very pointedly withholding up until the final moment where he's about to leave the room. And then suddenly he turns around and goes, oh, and one more thing, you know, the classic. And he says, no, it does that all the time. uh, Yeah, right. The line is straight up. I hate to go all Columbo on you like this. (laughs) And then he (laughs) hits her with the bomb drop question. So oh, funny. I love that. Yeah, the movie is fun I, enough, though. It's, you know, it's a little dumb, but it's a, a fun concept and a, a fun execution of it. I, I thought it was all right. I love that. Yeah, you know, I thought you were going to say that it reminded you of Noah because Noah also has supple flesh. But, you know, that that's pretty exciting, too. <laughs> that's the worst word you could have picked. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Hate that. <laughs> Love Columbo. Love Hope to Columbo. watch an episode Hate someday. Supple flesh. <laughs> Can't stand that phrase. Stop saying it, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll we'll move on then. Noah, do you yeah. have any ghouls? Um, you got any Columbo so ghouls? <laughs> no Columbos, unfortunately. But I do have uh, a bit of a head-to-head ghoul, if you will. Oh. Uh, I can't remember. Did I talk about watching Amityville? I don't think so. I think you said something about it in the Discord, didn't you? Okay, so I I watched uh, I the 1979 Amityville Horror. Okay, original. You know, yeah, the the original. All right. And I I watched that and I'm like, okay, this is slow as shit, but it has all the building blocks of every like haunted house movie you've ever seen made fun of. The Simpsons basically uh, showed me the whole movie and I didn't realize it. You know, the classics, oh, okay. right? Right. Sure. Um, yeah, you know, the bleeding walls, the um. Oh, that's the, the dad goes crazy. Oh, okay. The flies and uh, the other like the devil room in the basement. You know, the classic hitters all come from Amityville. Oh, okay. and I personally am of the opinion that to a point, people that say the movie's too slow would be absolutely going ballistic if the A24 logo was in the front of the movie, because it's no slower than an average like A24 movie is. And I think it's a lot of it, like, it's it's crusty, right? It's a crusty older movie. Ooh, but like it's Texas not, Chainsaw it's crusty? Not, no, no, okay. no. Like uh, like crusty in the sense of the microphones aren't the greatest and the film mm. grain is there. But I, I, I love film grain. So, oh, that sure. so I would hate but it. Right. You probably yeah, wouldn't care absolutely. for it, no. But it's nice because there's a lot of... A lot of the building blocks. Oh, house so evil it makes a nun puke and makes a priest go blind. That's just my house. That's pretty fun. So... All that is here, right? 
There's also like some really unfortunate like native burial ground stuff going on. Oh. Um, and in this one, not so unfortunate because while it is a plot point, it's not like, and it is the reason the land is cursed kind of thing. Um, it's not nearly as bad as the remake. Oh, what's that? You had a second ghoul. Yeah, it's the remake of oh, Amityville shit. Horror. Back to I back watched that Amityville's? one. Amityville's back to back. Ooh, um, okay. This is the one with Ryan Reynolds instead of Josh Brolin. I was about to ask if this is the Brolin. Ryan Reynolds one. Yeah. Ooh. Is it Josh Brolin or James Brolin? It's, Wait a minute. Wait it's a Josh Brolin's sure dad. This right. James Brolin. Yeah. Yeah. James Brolin. Uh, I loved him in original Amityville. It's slow yeah. and it like creeps on you. And because of the way the movie goes, you watch it and you don't think, hmm, this guy is clearly possessed and going crazy. Like, you do think that, but it doesn't show you that. You're like, oh my god, this guy's possessed and crazy. Yikes. Unfortunately for Ryan Reynolds, uh, it does explicitly say that oh. in the remake. Um, he's, you know, he is our focal character. We're seeing demons. We're seeing ghosts. Um, instead of it being a native burial ground type situation, instead there's a reverend who, like had a like an asylum where he just outright like tortured and murdered natives instead yikes uh and then he killed himself to ensure he would live forever that's a line from the movie that um what goofy as shit uh reverend ketchum his name's ash ash's ash's father (laughs) did did he did he catch them all or he uh catch him kill him is that is that part of ensuring that you live forever you catch them all first or like (laughs) No, actually, they said that he slit his throat so that he would live forever. Mmm, fun. Yeah, I, I don't know. But, I don't think that um, works, but... <laughs> in the original story, in the true story that the movies are based off of, mm-hmm. yeah. it was a 28-day time period. Sure. In the first movie, they bumped it down to 21 days. And then in the remake, they brought it back to 28 days, but they also wildly accelerated how quickly Ryan Reynolds, like, went crazy on him. Okay. Mm-hmm. And frankly, if he were acting the way he was acting on day three, I would not have made it to day 28 to stick around and watch him get worse every single day. Right. I'd be gone. Yeah. Because like he was like over the line abusive at that point, you know, like obviously real world situations, yada, yada. We're in a movie. We're talking about in movies. It it ruined the suspense and setup. It moved the priest coming to bless the house because in the original, they are a... Well, not George, uh, the father, but the wife is very, very religious, oh, sure. and she wants a priest to come and bless the house. There's yeah. even a little plot look in there about uh, the father's like coworker being like, "You got married and you changed your religion." Blah 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 blah. Um, but like the priest coming to bless the house happens at the beginning of the movie and sets the tone of us realizing then is when the house is bad, oh. but the house doesn't act up a lot after that. It's a slow burn after kicking the priest out of the house. The mm. priest doesn't hit the house in the remake until the end of the movie. Oh. And it's really that changes not great. The whole thing. It's just, it changes the entire thing. Um, and I saw this Polygon article talking about how the Amityville Horror remake does everything better than the original, pretty much. That is the and opposite I, of everything that was written I've in, ever heard. <laughs> I know, right? It was written in 2019, and I don't know if this is, like, some contrarian guy who's like, actually... It's gotta be. I thought the remake was pretty nice. Uh, but regardless of what this guy's got going on, it's not a good remake. 
Yeah. And I'm I'm like noted remake fan. Sure. Uh, I think remakes conceptually for some of these are pretty great. It's been yeah. done well. You know, requels, reboots. I even liked the Texas Chainsaw one okay. You know, like it wasn't good, but uh, it was like okay. Which one? The recent one? The the Netflix yeah, one? Yeah, the, the requel, not the um, remake. Mm, okay. Right, right, right. Yeah, I don't the know. The remake it's, is just kind of gross. It's a fun enough watch. I just was mad at it the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Valid, valid. But, you know, um, yeah, I I don't know. I uh, did not care for it. But I am holding up with my uh, my January commitment of one movie a day average. Hey, hey. I managed to hold that through February so far. Nice. Oh, hey, let's wow. go. We're so, some distance into February, uh, too. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I know. I think... Um, I had one extra movie in January that's helping me out, mm, right, um, right. but now I believe I'm currently, as of recording, it's one or two movies ahead. All right. We'll see when it goes. Nice. I like to try and keep it a few movies ahead so that when I have like a weekend where I have to be out, right? Yeah. You just haven't got it. It doesn't break the streak. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. But yeah, that's uh, that's my ghouls. Um, nice. I've watched a lot of movies. I watched Videodrome, no review, uh, but it's very, very good, mm. and I recommend it. Nice. If you like um, supple flesh. <laughs> Please. God. <laughs> um, I do great. actually have another ghoul, but I was going to wait to talk about it until we got a little further in, because I am going to fold it right into discussion about the director of today's movie. So, Emma, okay, have you got yeah. anything? Well, so in my, I do have something. All right. Um, in my journey of introducing a VTuber and their community to horror movies and getting them into horror, I have some updates. Hell um, yeah. It's going great. Yeah. Um, I think, did I talk about showing them the first two Conjuring movies on the last episode? I think so. Okay, great. So we did that. And during that experience, the VTuber was like, okay, those were fun. I had a great time. I'm really enjoying this. I want to be scared next time. So please Ooh. show me like an actual scary movie that's going to scare me. Oh, let's and go. And I was like, great. So on Friday, I showed them host. And uh, it was wonderful. Okay. It was a wonderful time. <laughs> um... For one, Host is just a great movie. I love it a lot. But, like, seeing their reactions, because we mute mics and stuff as we're watching the movies, we'll just, like, type in a chat our reactions and things. And seeing everybody kind of, like, freak out and chat was so much fun. It was a great time, and I love it. Um, and next up, I might show them Ganjam Haunted Asylum, just oh, to keep the yeah. scary train rolling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But... Especially yeah. if they like the found footage thing. Yeah, they've really enjoyed found footage. We had a whole conversation about it where I was like, I think I really enjoy found footage because when it's done well, like right. the people and the events oh, yeah. just feel real. Mm -hmm. um, and Ganjem and does that for sure. Ganjem does that. Host does that really well as well. Um, Host, Jeff, did you see Host I yet? I still haven't yet, actually. Oh my gosh, It's Jeff. 48 minutes. That's right. It is that short. And I'm always thinking, that's easy. I the can length just of a go free do Zoom that call. easy, but like I keep not doing it. Yeah. You got to check it out. I got to. You got stuff. If you want to scare the shit out of yourself, do the, the headphones in the dark treatment. Yeah. Because it is oh, a, sure. Zoom, yeah, I'll just a Zoom meeting movie. <laughs> <laughs> but so not a traditional ghoul, but just like an update. Um, that's a perfectly good yeah. ghoul, I say. Well, oh, thank you, Jeff. 
What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Casual Obsession, the horror movie podcast where we talk about horror movies. Uh, Today, we are talking about When Evil Lurks, a movie released last year in 2023 uh, by Demian Rugna, who is a relatively newish director, all things considered. He's only Mm -hmm. had one other, like, film that he's directed, but this was a fun one, and it made Mm -hmm. a, a big splash last year in the horror landscape, and you may recall me and Jeff talking about it in our various school segments and just gushing about the movie. And now we have a whole episode about it. Ah. And uh, today we have me, of course, Emma, but with me is Jeff. Hello. And Noah. Me, of course, Noah. Uh, And unfortunately, Nina couldn't join us today, but we do have a special segment of Nina's notes later on in the episode where we get to hear kind of a little bit about what they thought as they were watching the movie. I am but yeah. actually real bummed to not have Nina as part of the main discussion. I know. <laughs> I am too. I was I was like, crap, can can I make this work somehow? Like, uh, and I was trying to like shuffle something. things around. <laughs> yeah. So unfortunately, we're recording this um, on the weekend of the Superb Owl. All yeah. hail. And various people in the call are are going to superb owl watch parties to watch the owl being superb um, yeah and normally we record like sunday nights generally but because of the owl we couldn't do sunday night and then saturday night i was babysitting my little like cousin and monday night i have a D game and then people are busy all the other times so unfortunately things. nina's working the, owl uh, the only the time we time. can really record yeah but it's a it's fine it's okay it's all we right. have nina's notes yeah um so when evil lurks is a movie about these two brothers finding a cut up corpse in the woods And then they go and are investigating things further and find out that there is a possessed person called a rotten in this world uh, in their town. And then they're trying to figure out what to do about that and shit goes off the rails. So um, just as a real quick thing, uh, the first fun fact that I can give you from uh, directly from the director's mouth, actually, is rotten is not a good translation of what he intended there actually Ooh, really oh. yeah they use two words to describe the possessed in this movie one is encarnado which just means incarnate exactly how it sounds and that's the one that in the subtitles gets translated as possessed but the okay. one that gets translated as rotten is actually a completely different word the word is empichado which uh the director damien described as being uh, referring to uh, having something inside. He kept saying, like, bagged as, like, his description. I look up the literal definition of the word. The literal translation of it is actually stuffed, oh. which is so much more disgusting. <laughs> yeah. God, if you've seen the movie, he sure is. He sure, he sure is, is stuffed. Right? Oh, my God. But yeah, so just, I feel like that'd be a... It's tough to put that into sentences yeah. when you translate it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, people would probably make a lot of sex jokes. Likely. Yeah. So Not I, I me, can because I respect the stuff <laughs> and how gross he is. <laughs> Disgusting, actually. Very impressive <laughs> from a filmmaking yeah. standpoint. Yeah. Anyways, though. But oh gosh, um, yeah. It's it's a fun time, and you know, I'm just I'm real curious to hear what the critics thought of it. So Noah, could you tell us a little bit about the critical reception of this movie? 
Oh no! Wait a minute. It's been good. Two so seconds. <laughs> Let me do a live. Oh my Twitter gosh! Search. She wasn't prepared. No, I'm prepared, but I forgot to see what Twitter Brandon has to say. Right, right. Oh, Let's okay. That is, that is like, important. It's in like the high 90s on Rotten Tomatoes or some shit, right? Maybe. Um, wouldn't you I'm like sure to we're know? about to find out. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine Twitter Brandon probably didn't say anything. You think? Because I think this came out during the strikes or like right around the strikes oh did it uh, but he's not in the he's not in um it's not affiliate yeah it's it's an indie movie so it's not affiliated yeah. with any of the stuff that was getting struck but uh yeah i think yeah so it looks like as of mid-december he had not watched it yet oh okay so, how about that how about that know. he does really want to watch it though because he says he's really mad he missed the uh when evil lurks window at his theater mm, yeah Ooh. so oh can you imagine catching this in a theater holy shit right that'd be oh, fun like ooh. yeah ooh. Ooh. <gasps> um but what what but, does the rest of the internet say noah so imdb we're at a seven out of ten which is a little lower than last time do you guys care if it's like up or down from last time because i think it's kind of fun to include these statistics but i think if it's no one a cares fun enough thing to include yeah okay i don't care no, no it's fine <gasps> i'm cool with it <laughs> uh, rotten tomatoes 97 percent, which is up there from is. last time yeah yeah uh, metacritic 75 also up letterboxd 3.6 out of 5 which is down but i'm not too surprised because the flanagan heads are definitely going to be boosting letterbox numbers oh sure you know the flans if you will the yeah. flans <laughs> And we got a, you know, no Twitter Brandon as just established, Natural. but we do have an Ebert. Yeah. 2.5 out of four from our boy Brian Tellerico, which is a little oh. bit lower than House Usher. That's lower than okay. I expected. Yeah. Right. But it's still above 50%. Also, um, because I was just reminded of this recently to pull it back to Rotten Tomatoes, um, just as a reminder for everyone else, since I'm sure you all remember, but since I had always forgotten, the way Rotten Tomatoes scoring works is this does not mean most of the critics gave the movie 97%. Right. It means that 97% of the critics gave it a six or higher. A positive so review. Net positive. Exactly. There are 97% positive reviews on the movie, which, in fairness, if every single critic is still giving it like a six out of 10 yeah. and it gets 100% Rotten Tomatoes, good. that's still going to be a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that the uh, Rotten Tomatoes percentage does not work in the same way that Metacritic, Letterboxd, and IMDb do. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Metacritic being the aggregate percentage. Yeah. True, anyway, 2.5 out of 4 from uh, Ebert.com's, I don't think that's actually it, uh, Brian Tellerico. <laughs> it is RogerEbert.com, isn't it? <laughs> I just said Ebert.com. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, <clears throat> the intent comes and right. I actually I actually chopped this one up this time uh, as always all quoted articles are as always as recently established <laughs> all quoted articles are in the description of the episode and this is Tallarico's um, words here that we're coming up on this is Tallarico's okay. words yeah um, lightly chopped up just to make it quicker right. uh, the most memorable aspect of Damien Rugna's when evil lurks um, have an have an archaic brute and oh my god it's just anarchic um, oh. threw me off have an anarchic brutality that's reminiscent of the work of an obvious influence in the Argentinian filmmaker, Lucio Fulci. The film doesn't abide by many norms. Dogs and children are not free or innocent, for the record, and um, gets great power from occasionally dropping into gory, gnarly insanity. Mm. 
It's an admirably vicious piece of work when it wants to be, although arguably it could have gone even further and more frequently. After all, once you open the door to hell, viewers are willing to go wherever you lead them. Uh, there's a version of When Evil Lurks that leads into the potential chaos of the concept instead of trying to get a firm narrative grip on it or even get um, sentimental with its leading men and their families. Fulci never... Fulci never needed to be so blunt regarding exposition or narrative consistency. Audiences will forgive not understanding what's happening if they are too shocked and or terrified to care. In the end, there's enough unforgettable imagery in When Evil Lurks to overcome its unfulfilled potential. The right audience will eat it up, ignoring both the undercooked and overcooked ingredients in this bloody stew, if they're not too nauseous to do so. So Tallarico's a Fulci fan, huh? My experience with Fulci movies is very different from the way that he describes them. It's not that (laughs) Fulci doesn't need to get into details. It's that he doesn't tell you jack shit about what's going on in his movies. He doesn't need to get into that because you already know it's fucked up. Wait, what, Lucio Fulci is like, Fulci let me make? give you this movie, uh, Zombie. It's about a zombie. Yeah, so Lucio zombie. Fulci directed uh, Zombie. He directed the New York Ripper. He did the Gates of Hell trilogy, which includes um, The House by the Cemetery and uh, two other movies whose names always escape my memory. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's okay. Yeah. there. You it's... listed more movies than I would have expected already, so you're doing well. Uh, I, me personally, as uh, Giallo directors go, I'm not super into Fulci. I think Zombie is a solid one, but overall I have a hard time with his movies because lots of times they feel to me as though they're delving into just uh, trying to shock you by looking gross more so than most other things. Okay. That That said, he's put together some really, really solid kills, multiple of which are in Zombie. So if you're going to watch any of his movies, it would be that one. If I were to push the podcast to cover any of his movies, it would be that one. And I probably wouldn't push for any others because I, yeah. frankly, I just don't enjoy his movies the way I enjoy like an Argento. Yeah. Or even that a makes sense. But we're not talking about Lucio Fulci. We're talking about Damien Rugna here. <laughs> That's well, true. Actually, Brian Tellerico was talking about Lucio well, Fulci. Yeah, Brian Tellerico so, uh... was talking about Lucio Fulci and we're talking about Brian Tellerico. But... <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, how... Me and Jeff have talked about our opinions of this movie a good bit. Yes, you've already um, gotten in our in our ghouls. So I figure me and Jeff can go first on giving the movie an official rating. Yeah, and then Noah can close us out as the only one that we don't know how Noah feels about this movie. So Jeff, do you want to start us off? Yeah, uh, I'm giving it a nine point five. Ooh, yeah, it is very very close to perfect for what it is. I think. Yeah. Um, I think when I first watched it, it was a 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm, um, for sure. I was, I was right in the high. And I, I still, I really love this movie. Absolutely. And thinking about it more and watching it the second time, I still really love this movie. It holds but up I, real I, good I did notice much. it's, I noticed it sins a little bit more, I think, yeah. this time around. Um, so I'm going to give it a nine. Mm, okay. Um, but I still desperately love this movie, and I'll talk about kind of the movie sins that I more noticed and struggled with this time around. Sure. But Noah, what did you think? Well, hate to say it. Okay. I gave it a nine. Damn. Okay. No, I had a blast with this. This is really, really good. <laughs> right. um, I forgot to get a number rating from Nina, so I can't pass that one along. But right. I loved this movie. It's solid, uh, right? There is. Mm-hmm. There is a, a specific kill in this bad boy that um, 
cemented the movie for me. Uh, like our our beginning, you could you could make a disingenuous argument, perhaps, that the beginning is too slow. Sure. Because uh, I think it's a nice like tension set because we really do mm-hmm. the opening like scenes are moving up and then we kick it off at the farm. Yeah, there's yeah. a moment, it, it spends a lot of time ramping up and then there's a moment where it just kind of comes right off a cliff and it's in a free fall for the whole rest of its run, right? Yeah. And that's that's what I like about it a lot because we get a lot of up and then it drops us mm-hmm. and then it's like a good fucking roller coaster. You can't always go. Yeah. There need to be moments of still so that I appreciate when we're really going. Mm-hmm. And there's just enough of those in this movie that it keeps the pace constantly like elevating tension while also giving us those moments of release that let me like come back down a little bit and get back into it yeah yeah that makes sense that makes sense yeah it's uh who i i cannot wait to talk about my favorite kill in this movie uh, but i don't want to <laughs> I, because there's no way to reference it i have a without couple of saying what it is as to which I, it yeah, might i be. have a major guess yeah i if it's not that one i'm like all right what's what's playing here but like i've got one that i'm fairly certain it is it's the it's the big one it's the big one it's the big okay. one yeah yeah uh well I think with this movie in particular, yeah. there are a number of content warnings. Oh that my God, there is so we should much. Talk about. <laughs> um, and we've talked so, about it already in our previous discussions of it, and even in briefer formats, right? The violence against the children is so much, it cannot be overstated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Um, which actually, funny, funny thing about the violence to children. Uh huh. Um, so. It was really difficult for him to get all the violence and children filmed because oh, right. the parents super on board. They loved it. They're like a hundred percent fine with this. Argentina's the got Argentinian a bunch government of, like, said no blood on children. Yeah, they've got a lot yeah. of censorship laws. Um, and stuff. Like very that. interesting reading that and then realizing that there were no kids with blood on them because I'm like. That can't have happened. But when he there, must have lied. When there is, he must so, have made it happen. Because there are a couple There's of moments only... where there is. And do you know yeah. how they did it? How they got around it? I think is it, it real blood because no, no fake blood like allowed on uh-huh. children. No, it's it's oh. the the fake blood that they used was blue, and then they changed it to red in post. Oh, I think it's that the traditional like dyed corn syrup blood kind of move, and they just turned it blue mm. instead of red and digitally edited it to be red. That's fun. Love yeah. that. If you look closely, you can kind of tell at a couple of points toward the end. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, the big blood scene. So, violence against children. Massively, um, massively. And not just sights, but, like, sounds. You're going to hear things. The Foley work in this movie is incredible, and that makes it really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, violence to animals. Dog. A big thing in this movie is, like, yeah. animals get, like, possessed too, and, like, don't trust animals. And yeah. there are multiple animals in this movie that... Um, do things yeah um a dog the, dies. a dog does die the dog yeah. kills first <laughs> <laughs> true um gosh there's some gross body horror stuff absolutely um there's a lot of men not listening to women and kind of disregarding women mm-hmm. um, as like a plot point it's not as though the movie doesn't realize this is what it's doing it's like the point yeah yeah mm-hmm. let's see what other things are there? Cannibalism? Reference true. to it, yeah. 
certainly. Well, and also, yeah, the sight of not even reference. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I, yeah, I was we, so much happens in this movie that anytime I try to focus in on a particular thing, I end up forgetting a ton of other shit that happens in it. Like you were, you were giving yeah. the uh, the non spoiler synopsis at the beginning. You mentioned how it starts with them finding a cut up body, and I was like, oh right, that is what kicks this whole thing off, isn't it? Because <laughs> oh yeah, the inciting event. <laughs> so much else happens <laughs> over the course yeah. of the rest of the movie. I forgot that was what started it. <laughs> yeah. Um, parental abuse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the violence Any against other... children is not limited only to possessed people the main character also just has no qualms about beating the shit out of a kid at a couple of points yeah um any other content warnings you can think about it's really just the violence Um, for the most there's disease imagery i don't know there's an autistic kid in here that you might find upsetting Mm -hmm. um and there's like um there's a there's a theory about demonic possession and autistic kids where they're just like yeah demons possess autistic people but they don't know how to navigate the autistic mind um which is i think it's it's one of those things where it it's could interesting be very bad and but it's also it one of those worse. things where <laughs> exactly it's one of those things where i would be very worried about praising it literally primarily because it is riding a line but it is also i think in this movie it's done compellingly and interestingly i think it's kind of neat yeah and it's not done in uh it's not discussed in such detail that it ends up having the opportunity to become more ableist or anything so i i think it's okay Mm -hmm. but uh there is a moment where someone says that child is possessed by demons and they're like hey yo fucking idiot he's just autistic he's just actually. autistic <laughs> yeah. would you calm the fuck down archaic mindset and she's yeah. like no no um I'm an expert no actually he is though. actually <laughs> but actually no <laughs> yeah yeah good stuff um i think that okay i think that covers everything yeah I think so. I think that's right. Uh, oh, oh, uh, yeah. multiple references to suicide. Yeah. Because it's a, a thing in the one mm-hmm. character's backstory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True. Uh, and creepy kids. Creepy, creepy kids. kids. Lots of creepy kids. Lots Plenty of creepy, of kids. Of creepy Some kids. of the better done True. creepy kids I've seen as well. We'll get to that later. Yeah, we will. But, uh, uh, is there I some mean, sort of other segment we need well, to do? I mean, like, is this, is this movie like, uh, I don't know, is it like scary though? What a great question. Thank you for asking. It's a shame Nina's not here to give the scary rating. Yeah, as, yeah. As Nina Emma, would you does. mind like weighing in on this for Nina? Because like I, as we all know, I don't pay attention to Nina. So Naturally. when Nina told me, in one ear, out the other, you know how it is. <laughs> yeah, you know, oh, the, that <laughs> spouse. <laughs> um. So yeah, I this movie. There are definitely moments of scary Mm -hmm. and when it does its moments of scary you're like holy fuck um most of the movie isn't there's not an ever-present kind of sense of tension or um scariness like there might be for some other horror movies where you're Mm -hmm. just tense the whole time and then like it builds up to the scary moment and it freaks you out it's just like story and then scary moment happens and you're like holy fuck um But there is just an uncomfy feeling throughout the movie, I would yeah. say. I feel like a lot of the tension and... of the movie comes almost from the like uh, comedy of errors aspect of it, where at a certain point, oh, you're yeah. just like, all right, how's Pedro going to fuck it up now? It's, it's like the wailing almost <laughs> in that way, right? Yeah. As soon as there's Ooh, an opportunity have... for him to fuck it up, you're like, oh, I know he's going to do it. <laughs> yeah. 
I I did have a reference to the Whaling I was going to mm. make. So that's funny that you also brought it up. I think there's good but, comparisons to be made between the two. Yeah. That's probably because he liked the Whaling a lot, and it was one of his prime, like, inspirations. That's, oh, really? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Evil I had no idea, but that whaling. totally makes sense. Yeah, I oh, see geez, both of those. Evil did the Whaling and, like, two other things. I, um, okay. I'll see if I can find it in my um, oh, please in do. notes, because I didn't copy those ones down. Yeah, he didn't talk yeah. about that in the interviews so, that I watched with him, but... I did get other stuff. But for a scary rating, yeah. I think when the scaries happen, it's like 10 out of 10 at times. Yeah. Um, when it's happening, it's but, really happening. Yeah. <laughs> but as for the movie as a whole, I would go maybe at like an 8 or a 9. Yeah. I could back um, that. Mm-hmm. I could back that. Yeah. yeah. This, is, this is one for the real freaks out there. Mm-hmm. This is not a good starter movie no. for this almost is, anyone. Yeah, this is one to ramp up to. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know... We watch a lot of starter movies on this show. We do. Yeah. Um, not, in a, not in a rude to the movies way, but in a, if we're being realistic way, a lot of our movies are accessible yeah. to a large audience. So we kind of cover them because that's uh, that's what people will watch. We do you it know? on purpose pretty frequently. Uh, this, yeah. this is not one that I would show almost any of my friends. This isn't your grandma's yeah. horror movie. <laughs> no. I, That's Chucky. I was playing Valorant last night with the VTuber and a couple other people. Mm. And I mentioned, I was like, I can only play for a little bit because I still got to watch this movie tonight. Right. And they're like, oh, what movie? And it's like, I was like, oh, it's for the horror movie podcast. It's this. And they're oh, like, where we oh, talk that about sounds really cool. Yeah. And uh, once we finished Valorant, I just felt the need to be like, VTuber friend, if you want to watch it with me, you can but you and she was like, uh, she's like, nah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm like, okay, great. Cause I Smart. didn't want to invite you because yeah. this movie's pretty intense, <laughs> but, um, I felt weird that I brought up the fact that I was watching a movie and I know you're going to be up for a while. And I felt like yeah. I had to like invite you. Right. Um, but if you had said yes, I would have suitably warned you about some things in this movie. Be wrong not to. Yeah. Yeah, but gosh, but, uh, okay. But what is the rest of this movie, Emma? What what all goes on in it? Yeah, so now we're going to hit up that, that spoiler kind of summary. So if you haven't seen this movie before and you're potentially interested in it, go watch it, come back, listen to the rest of this episode. Um, I am going to read from Wikipedia yeah. with some supplemental information from elsewhere. Of course. Um. Obviously, Wikipedia summaries aren't the best, but they get the job done. They are pretty good sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. Okay. So, the morning after hearing gunshots in nearby woods, brothers Pedro and Jaime discover half the body of a man, which leads them to a nearby shack where Maria Elena, an elderly woman, and her two sons are in hiding. The eldest, Uriel, has become a rotten a being possessed by an unborn demon who is awaiting physical birth. The corpse was that of a cleaner, a person called by Maria Elena to kill Uriel and abort the demon before it possesses others. The authorities dismiss the demon as not their problem. The brothers approach the landowner, Ruiz, who attempts to deal with Uriel by dumping the possessed man outside his land. After narrowly avoiding a young boy in the road, the three men discover Uriel has escaped the truck, Uh, Ruiz declares the matter resolved and returns home. The next morning, Ruiz's pregnant wife, Jimena, discovers one of their goats has become possessed. 
against her warning not to use guns because they helped to spread the possession of the rotten, Ruiz executes the animal, just to be quickly murdered by his wife, who then commits suicide by hitting her head with the axe multiple times. Great stuff. You watch the whole thing happen. <laughs> Fantastic. Have you ever seen a person swing an axe at her own face before? Because now you have. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It hits. <laughs> Once again, cannot stress enough, this movie does not cut away from the action, whether you want it to or not. Uh, yeah. So, you yeah. know. Uh, the next morning, Jaime and Pedro agree to leave the town, take their family members, and escape to safety. Jaime gets their mother, while Pedro goes to the home of his ex-wife, Sabrina. This leads to an argument between him, Sabrina, and her new husband, Leonardo. When Pedro tries to collect his two children, um, Jair and Santino, while they are distracted by the argument, the family dog, who previously licked Pedro's demon-mucked clothes, savagely attacks Vicky, Leonardo and Sabrina's daughter, and drags her outside. Leonardo and Pedro chase the dog, and the former shoots him. Pedro returns to Sabrina, but sees her daughter is back unharmed and threatening Sabrina. So Pedro steals their car. As Pedro drives away with his sons, he witnesses Leonardo crash his car into Sabrina as Vicky dances. What a scene. Um, what a set of <laughs> after scenes. Pedro, oh <laughs> yeah. After Pedro picks up uh, Jaime and their mother, the assembled family leaves town and arrives at the house of Mirtha, a former cleaner and a friend of Jaime, who invites them to stay overnight. Mirtha warns Jaime about uh, Jair, who is autistic, as exhibiting signs of possession, which Jaime dismisses. The possessed corpse of Sabrina kidnaps Santino, and Mirtha advises that Jaime chase after her while she and Pedro search for Uriel to end the demonic plague. While seeking out Sabrina, Jaime discovers that she has killed Santino and runs over her in a fit of emotion. In doing this, he collides with the tree. The brother's mother stays at Mirta's house and waits with Jair, who returns to the house, now speaking clearly and without impediment. Pedro and Mirta's search leads them to a schoolhouse filled with possessed children who boldly lie to the pair in order to enable the demonic birth. The pair find Uriel under the stage in the small auditorium, and Pedro tries to properly unearth him as Mirtha sets up the demon-killing equipment. Losing his patience and believing one of the children's lies about a fire axe nearby that might help, Pedro runs to the office while Mirtha screams to not leave her. While he is away, the children trap Pedro, kill Mirtha, and dismantle the equipment. Enraged, Pedro beats Uriel to death with a piece of the broken equipment, but it's too late to intercept the birth. The demon inside Uriel is born soon after, shedding his corpse and presenting itself to a defeated Pedro. After taunting Pedro by sparing him, the newly born demon walks out into the morning sun followed by the children. Um, Pedro, Jaime... I, I actually got the impression that Pedro beating Uriel to death with the equipment was part of what caused the demon's birth. Was that not what yeah, was intended? I, I believe... I believe that Wikipedia is missing the point on that yeah, one. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Okay, just making sure that got out there. Yeah. Um, Pedro, Jaime, and Jaya return to home. Uh, Jaime finds Uriel's possessed brother, who tells him he killed the original cleaner four days ago, devouring him. He also reveals he did the same to his mother the night before and alludes that Jaime's mother had suffered the same fate. Inside, Pedro feeds Jaya ice cream, but he begins choking and coughs up Pedro's mother's hair having been possessed as well and tricking him under the veil of his autism. Pedro walks outside and collapses in grief, having lost everybody but Jaime. And that's the movie. That is the movie. Holy shit. So 
Firstly. Oh, wait. When, I have one more uh, thing. Oh, one more thing. Sorry. Yes. My supplemental information. Mm. So they say that there are seven rules to dealing with. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, thank God. Because I did not write this. It's a those big down. running thing through the movie. Yeah. Yeah. There are seven rules when dealing with a rotten um, or just or like demons in general. Don't use electric I'm not lights. Call the stuff. Um, don't stay close to animals because they can also become possessed. Um, don't take anything that was close to the possessed person. Don't hurt them. Um, never call the evil by its name. Um, don't shoot them with firearms. And don't be afraid of dying. And those are the seven rules. Uh, and they break them constantly. In constantly, <laughs> constantly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But Noah, what were you going to say? So at the very end of the movie, I am in love with, uh, you know, after it's revealed that uh, hair has been like possessed and everything. Yeah. Right. And mm -hmm. he, you know, pukes up all that hair and everything. Um, the eye flit to the side yes. and then going back to the vacant expression. Yeah. Absolutely bone chilling. Mm -hmm. Fantastic yeah. there because it's just like. Ooh, well, that and like know? when he's initially kind of choking on the ice cream and then he like uh, Pedro tries to help him out by reaching into his mouth to try and dislodge whatever's in his throat. And then he the mm -hmm. first like cough where he sputters up all the blood. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So chilling. A hundred percent. Now that we're done, <laughs> what kill do you think was my favorite kill? The dog. It's gotta be the dog. The dog. <laughs> It's the dog is and the little girl. It's the neck whip. Yes. To uh, break the kid's neck. Uh -huh. Was yeah. holy shit. Well, and that, even that, like that's Unexpected. such a rough moment to see, right? But even that comes after mm -hmm. the initial bite and after almost a solid minute of just hearing the noises from under the table. Yeah. Oh my God. The noises by themselves, even if you didn't see a ton, the noises by themselves mm -hmm. are so off-putting. Holy shit. It's yeah. a disturbing scene. Yeah, yeah bad noises. I, by, it's, oh man, I love this movie. By this point, we hadn't really, we hadn't heard the seven rules. Yeah. Um, and it there's, it seems like the characters themselves don't really know what causes like the possessions to spread or anything. There's a lot of uncertainty. So when the main character, whose name is, Pedro. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, when Pedro gets to his ex's house, he takes off all of his clothes and is like asking for new clothes. And we see like the dog sniffing the clothes mm -hmm. and you're like, is this actually going to lead to something or is he just yeah. sniffing clothes? And it like just what's keeps going on? More right? and more shots of the dog. Just and then, there. yeah. Cause and they then had referenced keeps... that they needed to get rid of anything the demon had touched, mm -hmm. but then yeah. they didn't change their clothes before they left. Yeah. They had clothes, and they just didn't choose to change them yet. Yeah. yeah, and it keeps showing us this dog, and then the little girl goes and is hanging out with the dog and petting the dog, and uh, as an audience member, you're just kind of like... You're just waiting for it. Are, like, are oh, they going to do this? Are, are they, they going to go do there? this? And then, um, then we do. And then they do. And something I really love in this movie is um, it's clear that people see stuff that the audience doesn't see mm. um at the farmhouse where the landowner uh, and his Luis, wife yeah. see this kind of possessed goat it's clear that the goat looks different to them 
And there's one scene where we see semi over the landowner's shoulder and we see like these like huge ass horns. Yeah. And then we see the rest of the goat like a scene later and it doesn't have the fucked up horns. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. just like that. And then right before the girl gets attacked by the dog, like she's sitting by with the dog and she like looks down at its feet and then suddenly the dog just like lashes and like bites the shit out of her. Yeah. Um, and so the idea that like we're not getting the full picture and these characters are seeing things we don't see is so cool to me. Yeah. And I really oh, yeah. like how they show it throughout the movie and how they allude to it. Um, and it's great. Yeah. It's so mm-hmm. great. That and like because there was a part of me on the oh uh, there was a part of me on the goat front mm. because I remember them when they find the uh, the murdered cleaner in the woods. Right. Them saying, "Oh, this sucks for Ruiz." I mean, you know. First this dead body, or first uh, his one goat died, and now this dead body. There was a part of me that was like, oh, maybe that's the goat is back, and that's why they know. Mm. But then there's the big horns, and I'm like, never mind. And I love the <laughs> the way that it shows the horns. You, you know, it's this, it's just the shot from behind Ruiz, and then it just rises up until the horns are coming up as though they're coming off of his own head is the way that you see them. Yeah. Really, really cool. Yeah. And then in the following scene, after Ruiz and Jimena are both dead, um, we get a shot a, uh, a scene of Pedro and Jaime in their own home and they're kind of like just quietly freaked out about things and Jaime looks up at this pair of like deer antlers that are mounted on the wall and they're casting mm-hmm. a shadow up onto the wall behind them and as he watches this effect is so so simple because all you have to do is change the position of the light that's shining at the antlers right but he watches their shadow stretch further and further up the wall and the camera if you're looking is doing kind of the same movement that it did when it was behind Ruiz's head showing you those horns. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like the two shots are kind of paralleling one another to be like, you know, the, the demon's influence is here too. He's just growing more powerful. And I think that's really, really cool. And yeah. that yeah. particular shot, if you don't mind me getting us a little bit off topic here. Oh, by all means. Reminds me of a couple of shots in Damien Rugna's other movie, Terrified. Mm-hmm. Okay. One of the things I have not I think you're the only one of us that has seen Terrified. I believe right? I am, and I watched it this week specifically for this because I was like, you know what? Man with two movies, I can watch both his movies and try and figure out what <laughs> yeah. I can learn of his style, right? Something yeah. he is pretty damn good at, I think, is giving you a shot of a thing that doesn't look weird in a vacuum, but that in context becomes really meaningful. Because there's a scene in Mm -hmm. Terrified where there's literally just like a bubble in a kitchen sink that kind of just inflates up and down with some odd noises. And it's it's pretty damn normal. But the way he plays it in the movie, it becomes this like weird, creepy thing. (laughs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's really neat. Another thing that I really like that he does and my my discussion of Terrified is exclusively going to be things that I think uh, between it and When Evil Lurks that we can learn about Damien Rugna's like, approach, right? Because I'm not going to get too into the weeds on uh, Terrified. But the in the same way that When Evil Lurks is sort of his uh, fresh take on a possession movie, Terrified is kind of his fresher take on a haunting, I think. Okay. And what really interests me about both of these is that he takes the ideas of hauntings and possessions and in stark, stark contrast to the typical American approach to these ideas, he turns them into community problems instead of individualized problems. 
Like in, mm -hmm. uh, say, Insidious, as an example, we got the family, they're in the house, the family's haunted, and there is pretty much never any mention of them even having neighbors, right? In Terrified, yeah. the yeah. haunting is a thing that happens to an entire neighborhood. Every way that it affects anybody is a way that it has affected the entire neighborhood. A bad thing happens, a kid dies, because Damien Rugna does not shy away from killing kids in anything, it seems like. Um, only one kid dies in Terrified, though, so there's that. Um, he gets hit by a bus. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and when that happens in all the funeral scenes and such, it's not incredibly super focused just on his parents. It's about the entire neighborhood mourning the loss of this yeah. kid who lived there because that's your neighbor. There's between yeah. that and thematic stuff with the haunting and such. There's a lot of, uh, basically just a lot of theming about how your neighbor's problems are kind of also your problems. The fact that it happens on the other side of a wall to a guy that you're not necessarily friends with doesn't mean that it doesn't affect you. And yeah. you see a lot of that the same way with When Evil Lurks. It's not this really individualistic, my daughter is possessed and now uh, I have to hire the priest who smokes to come and perform an exorcism and all that stuff. It's not any of that stuff. It's this entire town has this horrible problem because there's been this issue that's gone unaddressed for so long. And yeah. that, to bring it back into more direct discussion of when evil lurks and things that Damien Rugna says about this movie, ties right into the theming. You know what this movie is about, according to him? What? Um, it could. It is very easy to look at it and read it as COVID, but it is actually, it was written pre-COVID. His plan at the time, he was trying to remake Terrified, and then he wanted to make this after that, but then the pandemic happened and he wasn't able to remake Terrified, so he just moved straight to this. What this is mm -hmm. about is some pesticide problems that they had. Apparently, in Argentina, they had this really big issue with pesticides that were causing like really terrible uh, cancer problems in rural communities. And he wanted oh. to write about that. And basically, his manner of doing that was just to change it from cancer to demon possession. And then he mixes this then with a little bit of a second idea, which is um, <clears throat> the rise of fascism around the world today. And the way that the way the media treats it is just not really helping anything at all. Yeah. So if that comes up in our discussion, me. we're not putting that in there. The director says that's the movie. <laughs> yeah. So don't complain to us about making this movie political. Anyways. Now, if I if I may yeah. hop on the political bandwagon sure. briefly. Um, it's a secret ghoul. I've been watching Dirty Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of getting off topic. <laughs> Dirty Harry is a movie about a cop who is as bad as the guys he's hunting. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a crooked cop. He's a dirty cop. I think they prefer dirty loose Harry. cannon. He doesn't play by the rules. Uh, who doesn't play by the rules. <laughs> so uh, let me let me hit you with the Polygon interview real quick with um, Damien. Yeah. Real quick. He says, I have no religion, the director said, and I hate religion as a business. I love religion as faith or for helping people, but not as a business. Uh, he did not set out to make a message movie, just one that would scare audiences. Oh. I've noticed for myself in my movies that uh, for a greater horror story, I want to make you suffer, he said. <laughs> and the social element just comes along with my culture. So him brushing aside a lot of the political and social messaging as this is just part of everyday life. Right. This is just the world oh, that we live oh, in. Oh, you think that there's a, a greater political message to me talking about 
kids with cancer and shit. That's just everyday life. Mm-hmm. I, I would like yeah. to bring us to a, okay. a New York Times article, uh, an interview with uh, Don Siegel, who directed Dirty Harry. Yeah. Dirty Harry, starring Clint Eastwood as a policeman, uh, determined to catch a psychopathic sniper, outraged many liberals who felt the hero was an extremist who took the law into his own hands. Demonstrators at the Academy Awards waved placards reading, Dirty Harry is a rotten pig. But the director did not consider it a reactionary film. I enjoy the controversy, he said, because if you make a film that's safe, you're in trouble. I'm a liberal. I lean to the left. Clint is a conservative. He leans to the right. At no point in making the film did we ever talk politics. I don't make political movies. I was telling the story of a hard-nosed cop and a dangerous killer. What my liberal friends did not grasp was the cop is just as evil in his way as the sniper. I I find it very interesting because I read this article completely unrelated to this. Um, I, I read it because I was looking into Don Siegel's political views because I'm like, well, is Dirty Harry actually a commentary that I've been reading it as, or is it just a fascist power trip movie? In which case that's unfortunate, you know? And it's like, no, it is a commentary, but he's just like, it's not commentary. Cops are like this. Right. Dirty Harry is just emblematic of what cops can be like. And I think it's very funny. These two, these two interviews, because that was in 79 that he gave that interview. So here we are years and years apart coming together in the middle to be like, oh, the political messaging. Oh, no, no. You see, that's everyday life. That's just the way that things are. If you look around, actually. Yeah. Wow. And we could easily turn this into a lengthy, lengthy discussion about the inherently political nature of, uh, dare I say, almost all art and horror movies especially, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. But we don't have time for that. we got a movie to discuss here. Yeah, we've done that before. <laughs> yeah. But I I think it's really cool yeah. that, um, you know, Damien has kind of intentionally been like, hey, hey, listen, that's just life down in Argentina. Kids getting cancer and fascism, that's this everyday just life. This shit that's Sucks. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like, he's just showing it. He's not saying that it's bad that you, like, take away from it but he's like this is not reactionary you know this is uh right it's not this isn't a movie with a message this is me taking a picture of where i live and saying this is what it's like and if that scares you oh damn that's crazy yeah also, uh, but yeah, I, don't... I, I was just looking through my notes from the interviews um, uh, since we were discussing the dog scene so recently. Um, apparently, everything with the dog uh, attacking Vicky and dragging her out the door and everything, that was all supposed to be one long shot originally. Mm-hmm. God, can you imagine? Mike Flanagan would never attempt something like this. <laughs> no, <laughs> He's because he already did his one long one shot and hated it. And, and all, but like that didn't have this degree of like action. It turned out that they couldn't do that. Um, but, uh, I, I thought you guys would want to hear that he, he was trying to be even more ambitious with that horrifying scene. That's crazy. Right? That's wild. Um, Fantastic, really. Yeah. Also, but... I found the other movie, um, uh, just real quick mm. that he, uh, it was Evil Dead, The Wailing, and The Road. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Those that were his sense. three, um, primary influences on When Evil Lurks. Gotcha, gotcha. Love it. I haven't seen The Road, but I can definitely see The Wailing and Evil Dead in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think my my big sin of this movie mm-hmm. um, that I think this time around caused me to lower my score a little bit yeah. was I realized towards the end of the movie, I was like, I feel like he was trying to go for a situation like The Wailing, where in The Wailing at the end of the movie, famously... 
as an audience member, you're like, holy shit, I don't know which side is the correct side. Right, I don't is, even know who won here. Yeah, mm-hmm. is like the Shinto priest, the person main character is supposed to be like listening to, or is it this woman in white? Is she actually evil mm-hmm. and trying to stop him? Like, what the fuck is going on? And as an audience member, you really like don't know. And I think they were trying to build up a similar feeling in this movie of, or like it was supposed to be a similar feeling of like not knowing who to trust. Uh, And throughout this movie, there's kind of the feeling of like, I'm not entirely sure like what's going on. I don't really know what's going to trigger like demonic possession. I'm not gonna, I don't know the full extents of demonic possession, what can happen, what can't happen. And all of that is handled really well. Mm. Um, And I think like, we were supposed to question um, Mirta like a little bit more as an audience or like we were expected to almost, oh. but that didn't really happen. I didn't get that impression. Okay. Because like a lot of the criticisms from this movie come in specifically towards the ending of like, why is the main character being so dumb? Um, which is valid. Well, he is. <laughs> I think he is dumb. He is dumb. He's not a good person. Um, I wrote in my notes because, like, it's hinted at that um, main character... Pedro. Pedro, thank you. um, Tried to kill his kids or something at one point. He tried to kill himself and his whole family all at once, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and, like, his brother kind of dismisses that because Mirta asks about it. Right, and he just says, like, like, oh, his his ex just, like made it up just to get like custody of the kids like that's not true and that later on towards the end the demon specifically calls it out as like you were trying to kill yourself and your kids mm-hmm. um and just that and the way that he also treats the kids at the end like the school children of like not being afraid to right. like hit them really hard with a card door or choke them a bit yeah uh, he really beats the shit out of that one little girl and he does yeah. it without a second thought yeah Um, I think my read of the end is that, like, our main character is not a good person, and this demon has been, like, pushing him the entire movie and really causing him to lose it in a lot of ways. I think there may be some, like, minor possession stuff going on with him at times, um, and, like, manipulation specifically. Oh, massively. Um, getting him to do certain things that are, like, against his better interests. But, yeah. He he does some questionable things at the end, and you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, Jeff, you're uh, raising yeah. your fingers I, I, as I if wanted you want to you, say something. I wanted to let you finish, just before offering the counterpoint of my read on it. Um, okay. So... <clears throat> This is gonna kind of end up covering a lot of things that go across the entire movie and also some things from interviews with Damien. Uh, he says, uh, just a couple of quick little things. Uh, he says, I don't give you too much from a character because we have to keep moving. I give you as much as you need, but we've got a pace to keep in the movie. So if I give you too much, I'm gonna ruin the atmosphere. He talked a good bit about how he doesn't want to tell you too much of anything too explicitly within the movie itself because he feels that that kind of ruins parts of things. Another thing that he said Mm -hmm. is, uh, just as a thing about Jaime, the brother specifically, he is always hiding something. Literally almost every interaction he has with anybody for the entire movie, he's always keeping something from them. There's uh, in the scene where he hits Sabrina with his car, 
her corpse like reanimates itself again and says, you said you loved me. So I think it's kind of implied that uh, when she tells Pedro on the phone that she cheated on him with a ton of people, I think it's kind of implied that his brother was actually one of them. Very fucked up. Um, yeah. So that is kind of that kind of colors the way that I read all of his interactions with absolutely everyone. And the way that I read all of Pedro's interactions with everything and the way that he makes all of his decisions is um he doesn't think a lot obviously you know he makes dumb decisions and such right he is guided entirely by his emotions he makes all of his decisions very emotionally and this is where the fascism thing ties in right because when he goes and talks to ruiz he seems to consider ruiz to be this guy whose judgment means a lot and uh and like he's a guy that you want to listen to but then the moment we start seeing anything from ruiz he is also just this dumb hothead making decisions exclusively based on emotions it seems like everything he does is guided entirely by the fear of like what the government taking his land he's just prime libertarian armando ruiz (laughs) (laughs) and he uh, uh, uh just as a little sidetrack on the ignoring women thing Half of his scenes are with his wife. He addresses her directly literally one time, and he doesn't even look at her when he does it. Um, Once again, this is the fascism thing, because fascists never listen to women, blah, blah, blah. Um, But Pedro's thing, because the the way that the demon operates, right? Mirta says that it operates off of your fears. Damien, uh, in an interview, described the demon as operating like a hacker. He gets into your head, and he gets your personal information, and he's like, I'm in. And then um, he (laughs) uses all of that information to manipulate you. He uses it against you. I think you are entirely right in saying that what's going on with Pedro is a little light possession stuff but it's it's better than that the demon doesn't need to possess pedro because he's too easy he's so afraid of too Mm -hmm. many things like mirta says uh it attacks your kids because you're afraid of losing your kids that's the thing that scares you so that's the fear that it plays on and the whole way through the movie i think what we're seeing almost all the movements of the plot that pedro produces are entirely because the demon is just giving him a trail of breadcrumbs and it's just all his fears. It's just making him make more and more emotional decisions because this is the way that fascism gets you. It points to a thing that you're scared of and it says that's what the communists are going to do or that's what the queers are going to do or whatever, right? This is what the people Mm -hmm. you're worried about are going to do to the people that you care about. And it convinces you to make all these horrible counterproductive decisions that anybody with half a brain could tell you are stupid decisions, but because you're too scared, because the fascism is playing entirely on you making decisions based in your fear, you're not going to see that. Yeah. Um, so, y- yeah, you see Pedro making a lot of a lot of stupid decisions and stuff, but I don't think it's indicating that we're supposed to doubt Mirta. I think uh, you're supposed to be watching Pedro make the wrong decision over and over, and you're supposed to be hearing Mirta say the thing that actually makes sense. But because, you know, in that one uh, final scene when he's trying to uh, take apart the, the stage in the school, because that's where Uriel is buried, um, and the mm-hmm. one kid says there's an axe in the other room, all you got to do is go get it, and Mirta's like, no, don't do that, she's lying obviously they're just trying to get you to to leave me alone so that when they have us separated we are weakened and pedro's just like well i'll just be real quick though you know and they lock him in the room and they kill mirta and smash the spyglass looking sextant thing whatever that whatever that is speaking of things that we don't get enough information about right um but i it's the demon killing tool yeah it's it's really neat and in that oh speaking of jaime hiding things all the time right in the early scene where they find the cleaner's corpse they find a smashed up one of those things and 
and he's like, oh, I've seen this before. And Pedro's like, where? And he's like, oh, I don't know. And he just like walks away, changes the subject. Um, anyways, mm-hmm. though, I, I really think all of that is supposed to just be more uh, emphasizing Pedro's over-emotional decision-making process more so than it is uh, anything else, like trying to get you to doubt Mirta or anything. I think you're supposed to just be painfully aware of how dumb Pedro's being the whole time and that's what most of that actually comes down to but I've just spent way too long saying that well, here <laughs> let me interrupt you Go, then let me flow a new theory somebody else needs to talk um, because our our cleaner Muerta says Mierta 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 says that um, says that you know she was possessed and then he left because he couldn't do anything with her you know mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. my theory is that um, Pedro also can't really be possessed, but the demon's still like able to get up in there. Right. Yeah. You know, like uh, as a as a uh, carrier of the disease rather than a um, oh an asymptomatic um, carrier sufferer you might say. of yeah, an actually. asymptomatic <laughs> carrier. One might say that's fun. <laughs> you know, to to pull us into the uh, you know the the disease direction that he's not really intentionally right. super going into, yeah. but. Yeah. Once again, you know, a picture I, I was of the world that, that you live in, though. It's going to end up in there whether you're trying to put it there or not because the art is a reflection of yourself. Mm-hmm. I like that. And Mirza does yeah, talk... I was thinking that. Yeah. She does talk about how, like, the cleaners can't be possessed, yeah. but the demon still will try to manipulate you. Yeah, there's and, things that it can will do try to fuck without you. Uh, properly possessing you. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense. I had that thought as well, that he might be, like one of those people that can't directly be possessed. Right, because but. she says that mm-hmm. Jaime is one of those, and it would make sense if it was like a, uh, maybe a, a family thing, potentially. Yeah. Although then Jair does get possessed, so maybe that falls apart. <laughs> well, yeah. But I think she mentions that autistic people are easier to get possessed. But harder to actually point. take control of. But hard to of, actually take control. Yeah, yeah. The, the difficulty mm-hmm. that the demon has with navigating their mind. Yeah. And then his other son doesn't get possessed. He just gets just eaten. killed. Yeah. He yeah. gets killed horribly and eaten by his mom. Yeah. What a scene like a that shit popcorn. is. Right? Holy shit. Yeah. Oh my god. It's wild. And that we... brings me mm. to my next point. Yeah. When I when I first watched this movie and was talking about it in my goals, the way I described it was it's an incredible like collaboration of demonic possession and zombie movie. Yeah. And I can follow that. Just now that you've both seen it, I love and this leads great into our next kind of segment of March and the of the zombies for the it podcast. Does. It's a little bit of a transition point there. But mm-hmm. how like with zombies, you know, okay, if if you get bit, you're turning into a zombie. And then you watch like people get bit and the zombie virus spread and over and over people are trying to run from the zombies or get away. And the whole movie, it's just kind of that progression of things kind of coming more and more and more intense. But with this, you don't really know how this spreads. You just see it spread throughout the movie and seeing kind of like the intelligent manipulative demon like spreading um over time Mm -hmm. and like you're not sure like okay is this person possessed is this thing possessed maybe yes no unsure yeah and just the uncertainty that goes along with kind of the zombie virus slash possession slash the zombie virus being really intelligent in this movie um and manipulative is just really satisfying and i like it a lot yeah. and i think it's really neat yeah i like especially the way that it is 
uh, and this is actually confirmed by the director, it is one single demon the whole time uh, mm -hmm. doing all of the manipulating, all of the possessing. It is all the one single demon. In his words, um, we say that God is everywhere, so it seems like this guy would probably work kind of the same, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Which I, I think is a very interesting uh, comparison to be making. Yeah. Um, speaking of little kids, yeah. you weren't speaking of little I kids. I was not. But However. Creepy little kids. Yeah. Um, the kids at the end are very creepy. They are. But mm -hmm. specifically Vicky. Mm, um, from earlier on, yeah. Yeah, the girl that was attacked by the dog and dragged away. So she appears back at home is completely uninjured yeah. um and the mom is like so grateful and freaking out that her daughter's back and is okay and everything she's the fucking creepiest little kid in this goddamn movie okay all right um, so i actually disagree a little bit i think the kids really? in the school so, are done way better and it's specifically because they're not going out of their way to be creepy. Like the way that they show up at the school and it's like, it's the middle of the night. It's all dark out. There's no lights turned on or anything. And the kids are all just silently sitting at their desks, like looking down, just kind of avoiding eye contact when they enter the room. They ask them questions directly mm -hmm. and the kids will like, you know, kind of try to avoid answering, but they're not like being weird, creepy kids. You know, they're like, they're acting the way that kids usually do. If they're sitting in school at their desks, just trying not to make eye contact as though they have just, you know, done something normal that they're maybe not supposed to do or something. And there's something about that mm -hmm. combined with the fact that their hands are all covered with like the blood and lime dust. And, you know, they've been hiding corpses in the school. But this is the way that yeah. they're acting. It's just like kind of still pretty normal. For some reason, that yeah. hits extra for me. I don't know. Vicky's yeah. real. That, right, it is creepy. It is creepy. Um... But like how Noah talked about at the beginning of the spoiler segment, um, how at the end where um, Jair is like sitting at the table and uh, Pedro's kind of like seeing him choking and is helping him and Jair just kind of like looks yeah. at Pedro and that look being terrifying in the same way the little girl as the mother is like hugging her and freaking mm, out yeah. she's just incredibly like watchful like the entire time and you keep getting these shots of her face and she's just like watching things like in the area and it's like really really creepy and uncomfortable um and i i don't like it. well i like it but well, i it's don't really like well it really well done yeah yeah um, Noah, do you have any thoughts on creepy kids? I, I, in the schoolhouse, when they had the lime on their shoes and everything, mm -hmm. right? Mm hmm And it's lime all over the floor. I'm like, is this some sort of, like, mold spreading thing? I was, like, thrown off by that in a big way, especially when the girl wipes her face with the white foam mm. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Hated that. Um, yeah. actually, maybe... For me, the grossest part of the entire movie—that's <laughs> saying something. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, actually, hmm. there there are multiple scenes in this movie that consistently make me gag. Yeah, like there's the the one scene with Uriel at the beginning. He has that like <clears throat> that the, the goo the coming out of, just, no, the runs out of his oh, mouth. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, it's disgusting. It's, uh, I don't like that. Makes me gag every God, oh, yeah, time. I, you know, I do try to forget about Uriel. Speaking right? of... There's so <laughs> fucking of... much in this movie. There's so many scenes that have such impact. It's easy to forget about them individually, right? Speaking of... Yeah. Speaking of Uriel, um, I know you were all wondering, Noah, 
surely you know who plays Uriel. I wasn't wondering that at all. I was you? wondering. <laughs> what? A puppet. He's entirely a puppet? By four people. He is a puppet manned by four I people. I thought that was a Holy guy shit. in makeup for most of it. Oh my God. There's... A a good chance that some of his face might be, but that's why he's got that dead look all the yeah. time, is he's a fucking puppet. That's crazy. He's also always doing that thing with his eyes where he's just like looking around in a particular way. It's yeah. like the one way that he Except is when I saw that in a way. Like, yeah, because when I saw that, I'm like, oh, because he can't move because of the situation. He's too stuffed. <laughs> yeah. He's too full of demon. Stop saying that. I'm going to keep saying <laughs> The demon stuffed Damien wants us to say that the man is stuffed. <laughs> Sometimes Damien's wrong, Jeff. I disagree. <laughs> but yeah. Um, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, can I talk about a favorite scene Please. of mine? Please. Yes. The goat scene? The goat. Yeah. Um, it's a good scene. Uh-huh. And specifically, uh, I would like to get into the, the hammer to nail interview because, uh, you know, we've been navigating through all of my sources thus far. Sure. But I just need to share this info. Yeah. One of my favorite scenes. Easy, right? He hated making that scene. He, he said working with the goats was incredibly difficult, right? 150 goats that would not do what he wanted. 150 because, goats. Because, oh, what did he say? Uh, oh truly horrible shooting experience that, um, truly horrible experience shooting that sequence uh, because, let's see, uh, goats are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the owner are. of the goats said that they can do some things if we baited them with food, but they are untrainable because they are all crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. Everyone I've ever um, known who has kept goats says something pretty much along those lines. Goats are going to do what they want to do. Yeah. Always. So, um, little, little thing, by the way, um, the goat in the movie that they liked almost died the day before shooting. The owner was like, oh yeah, we were going to barbecue that goat. Oh my God. <laughs> and they're like, no, don't do that. And now a year later, um, the goat is still alive and has baby goats because the owner of the goat was like, well, you're famous now. You get to live. Of course, right. Wow. But yeah. Um, so not only no animals harmed in the making of this movie, but also this movie saved an animal's life. So true. Let's <laughs> go. Um, they only had 10 hours to film the scene at the farm with the goats. Christ. And it was miserable because it was outside lighting and stuff like that. Yeah. But all this to say, when I saw that scene... I thought they shot and killed a goat. Yo, seriously. There was a small part of me that was like, did they actually kill a goat? Because mm. like, unlike with the dog death later, where you can tell it's CG. Yeah. You know, yeah. like the CG spot appears a little in front of the smoke and it's like, oh, this is unfortunate, but this does not ruin the movie for me. The goat uh, be wiggling and twitching. It looks like you just blew a goat's head off. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, oh, what the fuck? Yeah, so I'm really good. glad to know that the goat did in fact survive yeah but there the goat go. nice. walking up and putting its head against the barrel of the yeah. gun because it oh can't God. sit there and say kill me pedro yeah. mm -hmm. kill me you know like so the goat just walks up and is just like meh mm -hmm. yeah and scares the man enough that ruiz shoots him because Real ruiz good. is very then, very easily manipulated by fear <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah the wife attacking him immediately uh-huh is so good mm-hmm so there was a, incredible scene. a part of me until she offed herself and I'm like, oh, duh, the cover of the movie. Right. 
I should have seen this coming. <laughs> uh, up until she did that, there was a part of me that was like, she's trying to contain the infection. Right. He blew the goat away. Tra uh, infection transfers to him. She's putting him down the old fashioned right. way. Maybe that's what's happening. No. <laughs> it's all just part of it. She, all just part of it. Because the demon said, okay, thanks for dumping me. I'm coming for you next. <laughs> It's a really good movie. That's, I is, really, really right? love this movie. It's There's great. a lot to like about it. It's got a, I lot, have of, one other a thing. lot of depth to dig into. And also, if you just watch it on yeah. the surface level, it's very effective. One other thing you say. Yeah. yeah. One other thing um, that I noticed specifically because this was my second watch through. So um, Jair is said to have a drawing in the movie and... When they finally get to Mirta's house, Jair's kind of not wanting to get out of the car and is, like, resting in the car. And so Pedro goes and, like, sleeps in the car with yeah. him. And at one point, he, like, takes the little drawing that Jair has in his hand, and it's, like, like a little picture of, like, a family in the sun, and it's, like, really sweet. And you're like, aw. And that's what I thought on my first watch of the movie. <laughs> but the second watch of the movie, uh, I see that it's, like four people and then like a orange person drawn above them kind of walking into the sun. I'm like, motherfucker, that's the ending of the movie where it's the, the demon walking oh God, in the sun is. with all the little kids. Holy shit. And I'm, shit. Like, I'm like, holy shit, what? <laughs> oh, I love that. I can't believe I didn't catch <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, I was like, oh, oh God. Fantastic. And similarly at the school, there's similar imagery where... Um, you know, like the little paper cutouts where it's like the people holding hands mm. and it's like a little like yeah. thing you can hang up. They had that where it's like a few people holding hands and then above it is like a singular person. Mm. And I'm like, more imagery well, of like again. what happens at the end of the movie. Yeah. yeah. It's really cool. God, I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited for whatever Damien ends up uh, putting out next. Yeah, like I, sure, I think this sure. is a guy to watch, for sure. Yeah, I, I will be watching what he puts out. I, I want to watch Terrified as well. Mm. It's or not on the same level. Yeah, uh, but mm. the, I, I do think that the concept is very much there. It's got a little bit more of you know how like all the CG in this movie is like a little obvious. It's a little shot looking, and that's mostly what yeah. takes the like half point off of it in my estimation. Is largely just like here and there the effects aren't perfect, but like when it leans on the practical effects, they look incredible. Oh my god! Yeah, Terrified leans yeah. a little bit harder on that really obvious CG. I think the concept is there enough that I don't mind it. It also though has a few moments of those practical effects that just are incredible mm -hmm. and that's that's another one of the things that i just like about this guy's style is he knows what to lean harder on and he yeah. knows well he also knows the power of like maybe sometimes not showing you very much not telling you very much there's moments where he doesn't show yeah. you much of anything happening but he just shows you a thing sitting there looking creepy and that's yeah. that's cool it's i'm hopeful with the success of when evil lurks mm -hmm. that Whatever next movie he makes, they they throw some more money. Somebody at it. throw money at um, this man, please. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see what he can do with a larger Absolutely. budget. Absolutely, I love seeing what he does with a smaller budget. <laughs> yeah, you know absolutely. if he does this good with less, like what 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 is the the budget on this movie actually? Do we? That's a good question. We don't know? Okay, looks like Wikipedia does not know. 
I'll take a peek. Budget. Um, the whole production budget was ten million. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. really great. Yeah, because that's that's not huge for a movie of this kind of quality. Um, so we're running close to time. We are. We're a little bit short on time today. Yeah. So Noah, do you want to hop into our Nina's notes segment? Oh yeah, I guess that would be me, wouldn't it? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Nina reads you, your yeah, notes. I, yeah. uh, do, can you? Yeah, can you can you uh, sing the Nina's Note song for us, please? Yeah, uh, to the tune of the old baby bottle pop commercial jingle. Um, read <laughs> Nina's Notes. Read, read Nina's, Nina's Notes. Well, that's something yeah, I see, haven't we all thought know. about in a real long time. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, Thank I don't you know for where it, it literally it came to me during the recording of this episode. All right, earlier, I love that. Because I was prepared to do the tune into some <laughs> 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 Anyway, um... Spanish horror film, Spanish horror film. I haven't seen a Hispanic horror film since Pan's Labyrinth, I think. That one was a completely different flavor of horror and completely different flavor of Spanish. Indeed it is. Yeah, Yeah. because Del Toro is Mexican, right? And this is Argentina. Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah. Look at this man's jaunty little hat. We love a beret. Jaime Mm -hmm. does wear that beret for the whole fucking movie. (laughs) It's so goofy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he looks like a, a caricature. Yeah, in the and I love in the him. scene where Ruiz gets introduced and he's got like his hat on, I was just like, oh, okay, the men in this movie just get like distinctive hats, except for Pedro. All right, and then nobody has a hat for the whole rest of the movie, and I was like, oh, I was right. looking forward to more hats, but all right. <laughs> all right, uh, subtitles. Shit, <laughs> me. Ah, uh, no. See, I understood that part. Ah. <laughs> uh, it's also worth uh, noting is the translation Russian? is uh, actually kind of terrible. That's a very oh yeah, that's the thing. thing that I don't think we talked about. No, we have Is yet. the translation in this movie is absolutely yeah, the, abysmally the god on Shutter at least. It's also streaming on AMC Plus, I think. But the I don't I don't know what it's like over there. But the subtitles on Shutter are an absolutely terrible translation. Actually, it it really mm-hmm. is a shame. I love that Shutter is putting out all these movies for us. Really, really appreciate it desperately wish that they would get a better subtitle team and a better localization team because even if we keep the rotten as the title instead of the stuffed because you know we're we're okay with making just jeff and the director angry i would just Um, love for it to be something a little bit closer to the actual intent you know it's well there's a lot of other translations there's a lot of other words that you could land on that would bungled sentences like sentences that do not yeah there's a number of lines i i almost wrote one down actually at one point because it was so bad um <laughs> on that note is this russian it is absolutely not what the fuck it's is like that, written actually? vertical what is it it's just exorcist code i assume is the intent there yeah i looked at it and i'm like oh is this like mandarin or korean yeah. and then they cut away and i never got to see it again. it's not any kind of characters that i recognize because they look like something halfway between typical uh european and like cyrillic lettering but then it's also written vertically in like columns as though like Japanese or something like that. And this is uh, for mm-hmm. listeners benefit uh, anyone who hasn't watched the movie, because uh, I, I know some of our listeners don't. Um, there's when they find the cleaner's corpse at the beginning of the movie, he's got a case with a smashed demon killing sextant thing and also a file with a bunch of this mysterious writing in it and a photocopy of Maria Elena's ID, which is what leads them to her house. Mm-hmm. yeah Ruiz says some really weird things to her when he threatens her in the one scene as well 
when he sees yeah. Uriel, he yeah. points his gun at uh, at her and her other son, and he says, I should have burned your house when you came here with your filth. And then he says, you contaminate everything? So, What's the deal with that? Why does he hate them already? They're, when I was watching a Dead Meat podcast about okay. it, oh, they, they posited cool. the theory that... They did. Um, they put the theory forward that maybe they are indigenous. Right, okay. And that yeah. that would be the angle right. working right there. Right, um, but that. like we Fascism do know... Again. At the very least, well, at the very least, we got classism yeah. because uh, Ruiz is a landowner, right, yeah. and these are people he is allowing to live on his land. So, at the very, very least, they're the brokes, right. and he's not down with it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I so, follow that theory though. Cool. Um, I don't know what this note is connected to, but I just see you. Uh oh. I and... bet that's uh, Uriel, probably. <laughs> probably maybe it's the pus who knows maybe maybe carrying uriel out on the bed sheet and like dropping him and everything the way it's just like Like, dripping out the bottom before it rips yeah real nasty disgusting great job damien grandma grandma is the most frustrating character like lady come on she yeah we talk about how the men in this movie don't listen to anything she also it's very clear where her sons get it from Yes, they come by this naturally. Yeah, she doesn't listen to anything anyone says. She doesn't take anything seriously at all. And it's partially their fault for not telling her the whole story at first, but... Let's see. Uh, anyway, Rip Santiago, or Rip Santino. Yeah, poor Santino. Oh, man. Yeah. Gets turned into a snack pack. Uh, interesting theory about autistic people there, LOL. Yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah, that's the way what to put it. What else is there to say? <laughs> so, uh, we got the, our last two notes. It's a twofer. Uh, ooh, Jamie uh, recognized all the cleaner shit because he fucked the teacher when he was younger. <laughs> and then... Yeah. LMAO... Uh, oh, sorry, Jaime, by the way. LMAO, Jaime kind of a slut. He slept with Sabrina, too. Go off, King. Yeah. Yikes. Well, and that's, that's pretty much what Pedro says to him at the one point as well, right? He's like, yeah, every summer you always cried because you missed the teachers at school. And <laughs> yeah. And there we go. That's, uh, that's Nina's notes. Okay, hold on. So Noah also linked us his notes. So I wanna I wanna look through Noah's notes as well. See if there see if there's any gold there. So Noah, can you can you sing us the song for Noah's notes? Um. So yeah, uh, this is to the to the tune of hit commercial uh, Baby Bottle Pop. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Read in Noah's notes. Read in Noah's notes. Ooh. Okay. Noah's first note is going off what Jeff and Emma have mentioned. I'm guessing I shouldn't get attached to these dogs. <laughs> those are actually the dogs that are okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we never see those dogs again. They just again. never come back. They run away and they disappear. Yeah. Uh, that hand and body look fantastic. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Uriel. love this little, Very attractive this man. little two note pairing here. The one that says, I'm so afraid of this shot of the dog with the girl circling him, followed by a note that just says, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) That neck jerk was brutal to see. No, Vicky can't be back. Oh, my God. That car wreck was crazy, too. This movie's all gas. Mm -hmm. The makeup effects on here are insane. That shambling walk doesn't bode well. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's yeah, when uh, yeah, Jaime's yeah. coming up behind Sabrina on the road. Oh, wow, you weren't kidding yep. when you said you didn't have a lot of notes here. No, no, I was... 
Most of my notes are early where with the Ebert review, the excerpts from four different um, publications, three different publications, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. And yeah. Um, beard equals <laughs> Pedre. <laughs> Pedre. <laughs> Mustache equals Jimmy because Jimmy was the uh, the name put in the subtitles. I'm like, Jimmy it is. Pedro Let's go. does call him Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, his, yeah, it's like his nickname. But... Um, See, I'm waiting to learn that this girl is actually telling the truth and that the rotten isn't actually in here at all. Oh, but he is. Yeah. And I love the way that but it's set is. up. Like yeah, they're, they're man, walking the around Lord. the outside of the school and Pedro like steps in the empty bags from the lime and then they see it all over the kids' hands and shoes and stuff. And it's like, all right, so you know something's going on. Just like how like the whole scene mm-hmm. with the dog, you're watching the dog like just look around and stuff and you're like, okay, when's it gonna happen? The movie does a really good job of setting things up and making sure you feel them coming. I love the inevitability yeah. of so many movements of this movie. Yeah. I think in the schoolhouse, there's the one girl that I think is trying to be shown as being like good and against the other kids because when they're in the schoolhouse, she has her eyes closed and Mirta is asking her questions and she's like, I can't answer sort of things. Mm -hmm. And then when she suddenly does almost answer a question, I think the girl behind her like cuts her off and like, Mm -hmm. yeah, with that tells her to shh and then like rubs the lime on her face. Um, And I think like, she's the one that kind of runs out to Pedro yeah. and tells him, like, hey, like, the body's not where they're telling you it is. It's a trap. The body's actually at my right. house. Like, And then Pedro beats and, the shit out of her, and she ends up uh, in the room begging them to stop taking the, the, the stage apart and all. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think they could have played with her a little bit better of, like, really getting us as the audience to, like, maybe be like, is this girl, like, actually not with the demon? Mm. Is is she cool? Is she good? Right. Um, yeah, but... make you wonder a little bit. Maybe Pedro's right to listen or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, there he is, wet man, the puss lord. <laughs> <laughs> the puss lord. It's not the puss lord, it's the puss lord. Oh, puss lord. <laughs> <laughs> You get mad at me calling him it's stuffed, the and then you call way. him the bush lord, and suddenly that's okay. <laughs> Uriel's getting it. Clearly, Jaime's the um, bush lord, if anybody, but. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Pedro is a man who hasn't listened to instruction a single day of his Not life. Not once. This is a man who yeah. opens the box, throws out the instructions, and then spends four hours sitting on the floor confused rather than actually read them. Walking back to the trash can, checking the instructions, leaving them there, coming back again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how he can be here with the demon hunter while she tells him what to do as the only authority in the area and then be like, nah, I think I'll, the possessed kid is correct. I'll trust her. I'm going to listen to this child who Truth. has already lied to me multiple times instead. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. The scene where the kids kill oh, Mirta is really something as well, isn't it? They're dragging oh, her away, yeah. and the one just kid is just her following and with then, the like, hitting her, and her hitting again and again. Oh, God. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, the, the one stabbing scene in The Black Coat's Daughter, actually, where it's like the amount of time in between each hit makes the individual hits feel a lot more impactful. Love yeah. It. Good notes. Good mm-hmm. notes. Uh, anybody got, like, um, final thoughts here? Good Anything movie. we've managed not to say so far? Or... Uh, 
Um, Good movie. Yeah, very much. I like the brother dynamic. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, can't stress enough that the makeup effects are great. Like when They're we first incredible. see the hand and the legs. Yeah. Uh, at the very beginning of the movie. They look really good. Well, what we think is a hand, and it's actually, like, just a few fingers yeah. sitting yeah, there. Yeah, and then the legs have the, really, like, really intestines good stuff. spilling out the top and everything. It's just wet um, enough. It's Puppet Uriel, once again, really, Uriel really good. Uriel is really, really impressive. Um, the soundtrack of this movie is real solid. I think it shines its brightest in the quieter moments where it's uh, a lot less, like, synthesizery stuff, a lot less lower-frequency rumble, and it's a lot mm-hmm. of like bowed and plucked stringed instruments. I don't know if it's uh, like violins and cellos or just things that make me think that it's violins and cellos, but there's also definitely some guitar in there. And it lends mm-hmm. the quieter moments a texture that I really enjoy. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's good stuff. Just a great movie. So I'm seeing the trailer for this movie open in IMDb right now. Oh. Um, cannot stress enough. Don't watch the trailer. Oh, no. Uh, it gives away the goat scene into almost in it's entirely oh. it does the whole oh, thing oh god no no you can't ruin yeah, it no, to um, be fair well, it, it is the cover it is the cover of the movie it is the cover but you don't know it's the cover till it happens yeah. you know to be fair whoever's listening to this episode long enough to hear that that warning, also you've already had everything <laughs> kind of spoiled for you oh no okay, all the way true. through the podcast okay. don't watch the trailer it's got spoilers <laughs> <laughs> this is why there's there's a few sacrificial people in the world who watch trailers for me, um, online people who say this movie looks good so that I never have to see them right. so I can have a true unbroken experience. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan that of watching sense. trailers That's either, good. personally. I love trailers. <laughs> okay. That's, it's why they're there. I watch trailers they all the time. They are there to be watched. Yeah. I, just, I, I tend to feel like a lot of trailers make most movies look the same. Lots of times, yeah, far too often, they show too much, that kind of thing. So I personally just kind of avoid them usually. This trailer showed them pulling the hair out of his mouth. No! Oh my you god. You can't show that. It was, and it was like blue-black colored. So, oh. Uh, oh, I totally forgot. End of the movie. When the demon is born, yeah. all right? When he births the demon yeah. and the demon leaves three lines he on his forehead, his forehead that he can't wash uh-huh. off. I like that a lot. It's like, hey, thanks, buddy. Now everyone will know that you helped birth a demon. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's great. I love the bleakness of the end as well. The demon child just walks off. Mm -hmm. That's it. Like, what's he going to do? Who knows? Whatever he wants, probably. Yeah. He's going to go eat some nature noises, Mm -hmm. apparently. Delicious. That's the first thing that goes. Okay, well, what are we watching next time? Uh, Why, next time? Next time we are... A Sean, if you will. What? No, not the listener who's just like, hey, what the fuck? <laughs> of the dead, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We're watching Shaun of I'm the excited. Dead uh, to kick off our March of the Zombies month. Um, and I'm real excited. Yeah. I haven't watched Shaun of the Dead in Same. a while, and it's a great it time. It is a fun movie. Mm-hmm. Very excited. Yeah. But Until then, though. Thank you all so much for hanging out and listening with us. I'm Emma. You can find me at... Emma Panada on Twitch and Twitter. Um, I'm also writing a TTRPG called All the Witches. You can find information about that at All the Witches underscore on Twitter. Um, I'm also, I started GMing a game, which is really cool, of Fabula Ultima, which is a TTRPG system. Ooh. And I'm I'm GMing it on Stella Luna's Twitch channel on uh, every other Thursday. We have our first two episodes done 
and they're up on YouTube if you want to watch them. It's it's a fun time. Cool. You can find me as Bubba the Bad, B-U-B-B-A-D-A-B-A-D. I am on Blue Sky and Letterboxd and whatever else I linked down below. Um, journey with me through my year of movies where we see how long is it before I break and lose it. Pretty far, I hope. I believe in you. Yeah, I've got so much. I hope at least through March. You're making you're making it through the entire year. You're gonna you're gonna do it. We believe in you. Uh, I have. I don't know about that, but I'm gonna try. (laughs) I have been Jeff. You can find me on Tumblr at What Is It You Pray For, and you can also follow the podcast at Casual Horror Pod. All right, Uh, and also you can find Nina, even though they weren't here today. Uh, You can find them at Nina Wolverina most everywhere except on Tumblr. There's a three where the E should be. Um, and you should check out Nina's books if you haven't already. They're great. They are very good books. Big fan. Yeah. Thank you again so much. We will see you next time. Goodbye. Possessed ghost noises. noises.